Hi everyone and welcome to the Curve Mindset Podcast. Today we're joined by Andy Fleming. Andy is the Regional Development Officer at the West Region for Scottish Volleyball. We talked today about his love for the game, his role model and also what it takes to be a champion. Thanks and enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome to the Curve Mindset Podcast. Today we're joined by Andy Fleming. How are you Andy? Yeah, hey, I'm good. Laurie, nice to, nice to have you here. Great. Um, I'm just wondering if you could uh, give the listeners a quick background about yourself. Yeah, uh, so I'm currently employed by Scottish Volleyball as the Regional Development Officer for the West of Scotland. Um, I've played volleyball since I was 15. Um, Started started off at high school level at the Wood Farm High School, and uh, I, you know it's been my passionate, passionate drive in my life for over twenty five years. Um, last year I retired from playing national league with uh, Glasgow Mets. Um, just to spend time with my my wife and my daughter, who is just you know, she's she'll be coming up to now, but at the time she was she was just going on her way to her first birthday, and uh, I felt after after that time I was gonna. Spend more time with family, but in between then, you know, I've played with played with uh, a couple of volleyball clubs, and uh, you know, played at Surigatsi for the first five years of my life. Got a very good grounding of it, and moved away to play with Blantyre, Blantyre Volleyball Club, then Blantyre Brannock, and then evolved into Glasgow Mets, where I spent my entire playing career there. Um, and. Th- in the meantime, before that, I was working uh, either as a sports coach or um, as how we met, uh, active schools in South Lanarkshire. So, sports has always been where I've been, and that's what I've been looking at. Ah, brilliant. So, you said you're a volleyball player. Kind of what level did you play at? So, school school level, um, I was lucky. Uh, the school that we played at Wood Farm uh, shared a... She had a volleyball link with Surigatsi Volleyball Club, so I um, represented the school there at national and regional festivals. Then I was spotted by one of the club guys and asked to go along, and I joined their club. Uh, so I went from school level to district level, and then quite quickly from district level to national league. Uh, the coach at Surigatsi was a Scotland national team coach, uh, and the amount of training I was exposed to at that time helped me to develop quite rapidly. So within a year, I'd went from district to National League and then into national teams, um, and into then the lower end of GB selection. Um, over my career, spent a lot of time playing with the Scottish national team. Um, although <laughs> all that time, I st- I never fu- never fully made it the the starting six. Always just sort of B level internationals and a last sort of bracket for selection, but. A very very good experience. Um, travelled quite a bit with the the, the the squads, you know, Germany, France, Belgium, Norway. Um, great experiences when you play with a national team. The travel, the squads. So, um, pretty pretty good, pretty good in uh, a 
on that sort of front and domestically uh, National League Division 1 SVL Premier 1 um, for pretty much most of my career with a couple of stints down in the second division through uh, injury and a couple of couple of dodgy seasons we had um, a, wee, a wee drop in performance but that's that's sport for you yeah you talked about you were part of the uh, Scotland team yeah what was your mindset uh, when you were kind of on the fringe and then when you kind of weren't selected how did you kind of get yourself kind of motivated to try and get to the top well you know when, when you're with the national team the the mindset is very much this is the the best of the best you need to be performing everybody holds everybody on the court around the court and off the court at a very high level very high standard uh, it's not just you know somewhere that you can parachute in and, and play a good game one week no everybody is really focused on the the set out goals you know the national team have performance indicators that they need to hit and, and, and everybody in their squads are, are committed to doing their very best to make sure that happens um, and you know you train for an international series you, you put in the hours and when you're not successful you have a you're obviously disappointed but that's the, that's the next challenge you know okay here's the areas that the national team were looking at I wasn't able to get them so I need to spend time and focus on them and of course the the, 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 the staff are there to talk to you about where you think you can improve it's not a case of you're not good enough don't talk to us no they want everybody that's contributing to those teams to be as ready as possible to help the other guys be successful and if, if you've got an area that needs improvement they're going to they're gonna help you out with that so it made me more determined um, there's a lot of guys who get who question it who get really upset and focus on the wrong thing but again the purpose of what we're doing here today is to talk about what's the right way to, to approach a challenge, a, a setback, a barrier and I don't think there's anybody in sport that's went along and everything's been fine you know, that's never had a setback so. Did the coaches ever give you like really specific pieces of information to your work on it and then any kind of influences to do influence you in a kind of to try and get to the next level? Yeah, I mean they, they, they are very specific in what they're looking for um, you know, it, it may well be that you know, the, way, the way they pick, you know, they've sat down and as, a, as a group and, and discussed each player's merits, their pros and cons and, and areas where they, they think that you can improve. Um, physicality is always something um, that players need to to have. Uh, so for sure I got a lot of stuff saying we need to be a bit more physical. You know, I'm not the tallest volleyball player. Uh, and at the time when I was trying out, you know, my, my, my vertical jump could could be improved, um, my decision making, you know, how, how I was thinking my way through the game was sometimes getting swept away with the emotional side of it, so, you know, they were given specific impact about, you know, in my role as a setter, I need to be less emotional, more controlled and calm and have that influence over my team, rather than, you know, getting swept away and the rah-rah of the game you know that would sometimes influence how my my next decision my, my next set was going and they would give you the, that sort of information and then they'd give you strategies to manage it um, they would also work with you in training you know the coaching staff um, there's about four or five guys around about the periphery working with key individuals to make sure that 
this stuff doesn't impact the the camp. Yeah, can you tell us kind of your influences and your role models? Uh, do you have any that have kind of shaped you to be that kind of better person? <laughs> uh, everything I've learned about my competitive nature came from my dad. Uh, people will probably tell you, uh, you know, I've watched sports people on and off, and professional sports people, they're, they're good for role models, but I think the, the competition element came from my dad. I, I spent a lot of time playing uh, out in the back garden football uh, with my dad, um, and it was always a conditioned game, it was two touches, uh, and he always used to beat me. And there's a lot of folk that, you know, when you're coming in, after having added yet another defeat to your dad, sitting going, I don't want to ever play this game again, but he, he instilled this, right, you know, you, you came close, your scores are increasing, what do you need to do to get better, what touch do you need to play, and help me to think through, and he, he made me determined, and when you get that victory, ever so rarely, I have to say, my dad was proud of football, that was terrible. But um, when you get that victory, it spurs you on, and I think that's where I learned my sort of competitive nature. Um, and I kind of, it's kind of, I think about it. There's quite a lot of backyard sports went on between me and my sister. My sister was not that sporty, and actually, funny story. I remember when I broke my first window, it was because my sister walked off a game of backyard tennis, and uh, it blew my mind that she would walk away and I tried to smash the ball harder. I went through the back window and my dad went mental but it's kind of his fault because he's inspired this you know you compete to win and you know you never give up and the determination to to be the best in terms of volleyball uh, there was a lot of great players that when I was younger I was looking up to and um, again they were all in the national team there was a guy Ian Grubb who he was a volleyball development officer in Glasgow and he was a Scotland and Great Britain captain at the time and everything he did was really well grooved, his volleyball was excellent and you, you watch these guys week in week out playing really well and then you see them playing for Scotland, I remember watching them play Australia which is a big, big uh, international volleyball team, massive background in it, um, Ian was the Great Britain captain at the Kelvin Hall and he was winning points left, right and centre and he was really G'd up and so you look at these sort of guys and say, yeah. Other sports people, you know, there's there's people out there that you look at and you think, yeah, they they display the right characteristics, you know, the Brownlee brothers. Oh yeah. You know, there's examples out there of just you know, as much as the competition's there, there's somebody that needs help. At that time, he stopped to pick his brother up and make sure they finished the race. It's just everywhere around sport, there's something that you can take inspiration from. So. Yeah, definitely. Like I read the, the, the Brownlee Brothers book and it was really interesting just how competitive they are together yeah. but they always had the support of one another and obviously parents, they just drove them everywhere five o'clock in the morning to swim in, then it was a run and then, you know, but they always had their education too so it was very much a, a, a way of trying to keep the competitive element up but having that kind of measured, you yeah. know. Um, you you told us you're an active school coordinator. Um, how long you were there, and what were the challenges uh, of that job? That was a brilliant time. Uh, I spent nine years at South Lanarkshire Leisure and Culture, um, and uh, the the first major challenge in in that job was actually getting the job. Um, 
again, that's how you and I came to meet. Uh, I was I was in the post, but um, again, into the World Actors Schools, it's a great it's a great job, but it's very very competitive. There's a lot of people out there in various sports degrees fighting for those posts. Um, even outside of it, and a good friend of mine, Kevin Murphy, he's now. He was the ladies' head coach at Rangers. He's now head coach down at Man City for for their women's program. His degree was in criminology, but his passion was sport, and the competition that we faced to get one of those jobs it was huge. So that was I was one of the first things you know getting past interview, making sure that I had collected enough life experience, enough coaching experience, and of course the the big shiny certificate, the degree. Um, but once you once you get there, you then you face the challenge of of the world of sport. I guess the second challenge for me was uh, I didn't drive at the time I applied for the job, and I, my, my my boss actually works downstairs in Sports Scotland at the time, Hilary Templeton. And I'm, I'll never forget that phone call. Um, you're you're buzzing. You know you've got this job. It's like yeah, you've got this job, but you've you've got to pass your driving test. And I'm like no problem, man. I've got this in the bag. And she says, so have you got a driving test date? And I was like, yeah, it's the uh, 29th or 29th, I don't know, 10th of August. She's like, Andy, that's your start date. I'm like, oh my God. She's like, so let's be clear. If you don't pass this test on that date, you don't have a job. <laughs> so, so, so what your mind thinking there then? Immediately I'm like, holy cow, what about, how's that for pressure? You know, you've got the pressure of the driving test, but then you know that that's a three-year contract that it's, th- it's thousands of pounds, you know, so... Uh, <laughs> I saw I giggled a bit, and I, I, I just, straight off the bat, I'm like, Hillary, I'll see you on the second day. I'll see you the 11th. And uh, I, speak, I speak to her a lot, and she speaks fondly of the moment when uh, I phoned in after the, uh, the test. I said, never a doubt, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I tell you, I went, I went home that day. I was a nervous wreck, but uh, the determination of of what it meant was huge. The job itself, a fabulous job. If uh, if anybody's out there listening to this podcast and you get the opportunity to be an active schools coordinator, it's a great it's a great place to uh, to work. Um, I was very lucky with the people I worked with. They were really passionate and committed, and they, they did a great job. Um, but again, anybody that knows the world of sport knows that finances are really, really tight and the budgets are really tight and the resources that you had to work with are, are few and far between. Um, and again, I managed to do what I think was a good job. He recruited a lot of volunteers, obviously. You've been a volunteer with me and uh, you know what it's like when you're out there and the opportunities that we try to put in front of volunteers and kids. So... Going with volunteers, what was the challenges for them and for you? Managing expectations uh, is is quite difficult. Um, some volunteers, they they have their expectation of what volunteering is going to look like from an organisation like Active Schools. They've got their examples and trying to marry them up and make sure that the volunteer placement fits uh, is key. Um, the number one commodity is time. Um, the active schools people are looking for the right person at the right time. The volunteer is looking at the right time with the right people, and you have to try and marry that up. Um, you know, motivation for a volunteer. 
understanding that, knowing what that is, how to reward it. Um, and, you know, that was one of the things that I think that we did okay in East Kilbride, uh, was that we had a, a really good group of volunteers who were well supported and, you know, our, our way of rewarding them was to try and generally feed them and make sure that they were in situations where the the opportunity to deliver sport was going to educate and enhance them further. Um, a lot of people just use volunteers, okay, I get my 10 hours of coaching and then I don't really care what else happens. But we were pretty much invested in trying to take volunteers from entry level and progress them to somebody that ultimately could be employed within the industry. Um, obviously, you're looking at you, you're now a, a development officer working in, in a sports field, which is great. Um, I've got examples of that across the west of Scotland with people I work with and um, another mate of mine, Robert Agnew, name check. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's now one of the active schools coordinators uh, with a senior role in Brentfordshire Leisure. Um, and again, he started off volunteering with us and it was just a case of you know, helping him grow as a, as a person. And, and now he's, you know, he's really pushing uh, his own volunteers and he, you know, he, he's got a good grasp of what he's doing. And it's when you see wee success stories like that, you understand that, you know, what your actual role is as active schools, not just to fill an after school club with a coach, it's to make sure that that person becomes employable that can give, you know, more than just the ten hours. Oh, definitely. That kind of leads on to the kind of your new role. Well, you've been for three, four years now. Can you tell us what your your role is at a volleyball, um, Scottish volleyball, and uh, the challenges and how things have changed over the last couple of years? Massive changes. Massive changes. So my role is the regional development officer for the west of Scotland, and that ranges from sort of Dumfries and Galloway's local authority right through to South Lanarkshire and most of the local authorities in between. Um, sort of working with Sports Scotland, um, they are the priority funders, they provide a lot of the governing body um, money f- for our posts. So our post was brand new, uh, three, three and a half years ago, and um, the remit is to develop and support clubs and to develop and support volleyball across the west of Scotland. So that includes primary school education, secondary school education, college and university and clubs uh, and adult recreation um, across the, the full spectrum. So it's a, a wide remit. Uh, then of course we've got the, the main day to day business of the, the, the governing body. So when a club turns out on a Saturday, you know, can I make sure that there's members there, um, any issues that the club have, and of course all our special events, supporting them, supporting our national team, so massive schedule. Um, indoor, is, indoor, beach, and recently with the Beast from the East, we managed to get um, some snow volleyball going on over in Edinburgh, so there's, there's no hiding spot in volleyball, it's if there's a net can go up, we'll play. Um, my school's network in the West is pretty strong. Um, I, I've been working hard to make sure that I increase my affiliation uh, and drive the number of members up. Um, I've been pretty successful on that. And uh, those numbers will be reflected in this year's annual report, which I'm pretty certain the boss will be quite happy with. 
growth and just trying to get yeah. the best out of the best for people because you know young people sometimes get a bad reputation you know with different things but if you invest time in them then they're going to you know really they're going to trust you and yeah. you're going to, they're going to work with you um, can you tell us a, a time where uh, you put a time or you put moment as a kind of active schools coordinator and then maybe as the uh, volleyball uh, officer Active schools is quite difficult, you know, because uh, the number of participation sessions, the things that you put on, uh, the variety that goes on, everything that you do there is quite quality. Uh, I think um, when I was when I was down in Southlands, there was a couple of big standout moments with key projects. Uh, one of the things that we used to do and used to do really well was the primary seven transition event. You've been involved in that up at Codderland Park where we had every primary seven kid in East School Pride from all all three of the high school clusters come down and do a taster day, a sport physical activity, which took in the local football club, tennis club, rugby club, athletics club, golf club, and they went round and they sampled those sports and that was something that was really massive for us and um, really well supported. I mean, the community got right behind it. They were giving us the facilities for free. They were... You know, they, they were doing this because we were getting them direct access to the kids and uh, they provided coaches and we brought our volunteers in. So that was a real great project to be involved in with Active Schools. The other thing that I did that, there, which was, was a phenomenal experience in terms of event, was the, um, I think it was basically two, it was the Queen's, Queen's Baton Relay for the Commonwealth Games and the Olympic Torch Relay that went through Rutherland. Uh, I had a massive role to play in the planning, coordination and delivering that and it wasn't so much in just like general on the ground but it was like meeting councillors and you know things that I never thought I would ever be doing like applying for road closures and um, you know working on health and safety teams to work out a stewarding pattern and things like that they were real softer stuff as as opposed to the actual hands-on sports delivery so those are two highlights there um, since coming to Scottish Volleyball um, you know, everything that I've done is driven by the passion I want my sport to grow I want my sport to be as big and as varied as possible um, on, a, on a local level delivery I think there's a, a great piece of work that I'm working on in, in Renfrewshire uh, with the Active Schools team and the Renfrewshire Leisure the mini league there uh, I started out with a few schools playing an inter-school competition and the last one there we had 10 of the 11 schools there with six v six teams co-ed so you know there's no it's not just it's not just a male's league it's a female's league it's it's integrated so we're fully equitable there's there's no uh, discrimination or anything at all in there everybody can play and it, it, the environment that we've got there is great from there we've had about five or six guys go to the local club Surigatsi and uh, this weekend one of them um like one of the kids from St Benedict High actually made Surigatsi's starting team at age 16 so uh, for, for one of the sets in the semi-finals so that there is a good project um, and of course we've got the Commonwealth Games men's and women's teams qualified for the Gold Coast since being at Scottish Volleyball the journey to get those guys um, to, to the beach has been phenomenal um, Perth uh, Myself and, and the SVA team, we built a be- we built two beaches in Perth 
Uh, it took us five days, but we got them up to international standards. Portobello, I built a beach there with the guys to play international tournaments to help these guys qualify. And more recently, we, we managed to build an indoor beach, first one in Scotland. Um, and we did that inside two days. So moving 120 tonnes of sand around is, is, is a crazy amount of work for anybody, let alone four or five guys, but we're now getting it there. And I'm really proud of the work that we've done on the beachfront, um, as well as you know our continued support on the indoor programme, trying to make sure it's there. But those have been pretty big sort of highlights for me. Um, can you tell us just uh, going to kind of negative, what's the kind of, well, I don't say the dis- disappointment, but the kind of failure, but again, you've got a mindset to try and, you know, be positive. Can you tell us how you kind of dealt with that at all? Well, negatives for me is, uh, this is one of the things I tell my volunteers, like you, you'll get asked these strengths and weakness questions. I'm a strength-strength guy, so I'm, I'm going to give you not a negative, I'm going to give you another strength, but put it in a way that you know, you look at it and say, well, he's ready to overcome challenges. Um, in terms of sport, injury seems to be the big thing that is, is the negative for me. Anytime that I'm not doing what I'm meant to be doing, that's a negative. And um, I, I, never, I never like being in that situation where I, I, I'm not in control of my body. I'm not in control of where I, I, I can and cannot be. And um, I guess the biggest one was when I broke my leg. Uh, the best part of two years to get from the accident occurring to being back on the court. And how you deal with that mentally is pretty crazy, you know. Uh, the highs and lows of, okay, I'm, I'm feeling good today, to last night wasn't a good sleep, I'm in a lot of pain. Um, I can see things in my body changing. I can see atrophy happening. I'm weeks away from getting the cast off. I'm weeks away from you know that it can all drain you. And, and how you plan to get past that and be positive is what what I'm quite happily you know to, to talk about. Um, that that for me has been the sort of biggest negative. You know, for sure, there's frustrations in there around um, budgets and. You know the financing of my sport and the facilities I've got, but there's still enough there that you can do your job, and if you're passionate about what you're doing, you're able to get by it. Um, I think you know, when I broke my leg, you know there was questions asked whether or not I would ever play again, you know, and the decisions made about what I wanted out of the rehab, and again the people that I was sub- surrounding myself with were able to keep you positive and give you examples of you know how to get past it. So. Um, I think that's another another big thing as well. Who who have you got around about you? Oh yeah, support network is key. Yeah, you know it's really that's the you surround yourself with positive people, but also people who are going to tell you the truth. You know, if you don't want anyone telling you, you know, like you're not good enough, but then you are good enough for this bit, but you can prove that. But again, there's so many like in my field of football, you get like so many there's football managers who are afraid that they're not going to learn everything, but they've got such a, a big support network around them that they're actually just tap into every part of it. Um, just a kind of final questions. Um, what's the kind of biggest achievement uh, you've had as a coach? Um, I think, uh, if you think about when I played, when there was club coaching, we had, uh, I told you about the highs and lows, we were relegated one year. 
Um, we lost a lot. Of, we lost a lot of players, and we had a poor season. We went away. We were on the verge of relegation, and um, we got we got to the summer season. We were relegated, and we're sitting saying, "How do how do we turn this around?" Um, and the, the team who was meant to come up, they they decided to not take that promotion because it would, it would destabilise their club, so we were spared that relegation. And then in that season, um, I managed to re-sign a couple of players. Um, my, my mate, who uh, Alan Krasik, who was playing professionally in Germany, he came back, uh, he signed for us again, and uh, he was a Scotland international setter, so I had, I had a key strong point player to build my team around, and we brought in a few foreign players, a few Scottish players. And then that season we turned around, we actually went unbeaten in, in our campaign, got to the playoffs, got into the final four, and came down to one game of winning the league. Uh, we won the Thistle Bowl, uh, we won the, not the Thistle Bowl, we won the John Sire Cup early on in the season. We were in the Scottish Cup final, uh, and we were one game away from winning the league. We won the Scottish Cup final, which was our first club's first trophy in my 17 years of playing at the club so we went from relegated to almost winning everything in one season just by you know a bit of luck and being able to build something uh, and again getting everybody in the club early doors saying you know we've had a bad season but with every trough comes a peak and to get there these are the steps so the guys behind the scenes we planned really well we put a good physical conditioning program in place and we took the guys to the point that we could have won at absolutely everything. Um, and again, there's whenever he, whenever Pete comes a trough in that cup final, um, eight points in, I broke my wrist. <laughs> so yeah, that that game we were we were comfortable. I broke my wrist and stupidly I played on because I didn't want to go off. We won it three two, but uh, that was another nine nine week setback because I needed surgery and whatnot. So. That was good coaching. Um, I spent a lot of time out in the states, Laurie. Um, and if you've been, I mean, you've yeah, been, been to the states. You've been to the states. It's a, it's a different, different set of coaching rules out there than it is out here. The the environment, the facilities. Um, I went back every summer for seven years, and I worked at World Volleyball Training Camp in upstate New York, and I met a very good friend of mine, Steve Florio, and we're still great friends today. Um, and I would go back and stay with him and we would work that summer camp and then we broadened our horizons we went out and worked in universities and when you work at universities the, the, the money and the, the level you're exposed to is, is much much higher um, so that, that for me was a real highlight and I learned a lot about my coaching style and and, and, and my philosophy on, on the sport of volleyball out there um, as well as making incredible lifelong friends um, both I mean I've been to Steve's been to my wedding I've been to his wedding you know across the pond and uh, that's the thing that you know being out there that environment making that friend uh, priceless mate priceless I know you just need that one little bit of effort and you just create so much more yeah, networks yeah. you know I remember when my mum said I, I said to my mum by the way I'm going to be going to America for three months and she's like yeah yeah whatever you know, she must have thought I had delusions of grandeur or something, but I came back two weeks later and uh, I was like, here's my ticket, here's my camp, 
I'm going in two weeks time and she's like what <laughs> um, but yeah that, that was something that uh, that I personally pursued and again at that time I would have been just about 21 uh, right at the start of my coaching uh, career in volleyball um, looking to try and develop my skills so that I could ultimately end up in this job um, can you just tell us uh, briefly what's next for you what's next um, I love that question I, I encourage everybody I work with to answer that question what comes next uh, it doesn't matter what sport what physical activity you're in there's always something next be it a sequence or a dance or whatever for me um, I love being involved in volleyball <laughs> I love being involved in volleyball and uh, I want to keep this post I want to keep developing the sport of volleyball and being successful on the court it's not that important to me in terms of my playing career right now what's important to me is seeing other people so we've got a lot of young players out there who are, are on the verge of making really life influencing choices you know they're at university what university do I go to do I go and pursue volleyball as a career or do I need to take time out and or, or do I which club do I go to you know so for me I'm just trying to make sure that we put out my platform of volleyball to as many folks as possible um, I want, for sure I want to see your game get bigger uh, my eyes will be firmly glued on the Gold Coast coming up you know uh, first time beach volleyball has been in those games First time we've had men and women. Um, big shout out to uh, Sean Cook, Rob Mede Brodsky, uh, Lynn Beatty, and Mel Coutts for getting out there. Uh, you know, they've put the work in on the, on the court and the backroom staff, uh, the coaches um, who've helped them get there. Brilliant. So I'll be watching that to see what comes next there, because that for us is a, a very uncharted area of of volleyball and uh, you know we spoke about building beaches we were trying to build this pathway of performance so juniors we're going to get them watching it we're going to see the successes and really look to to enhance and capture that Um, here it comes (laughs) the buzzword legacy (laughs) the legacy of these games and see if we can't get um, the, the platform of beach volleyball you know cemented you know with people's mindset of I've finished indoor it's now time to play beach yeah brilliant it's really just inspired listening to you um, just one more thing where can people find you kind of on Twitter so you'll find you'll find me on uh, Twitter with RDO West that's my official Scottish Volleyball Twitter so anything that goes on in the West you know be it school delivery, uh, club delivery, uh, college unis, uh, events, I'll be tweeting from that uh, and feel free to get involved and ask me any questions on it. Uh, I've also got my Facebook page which is uh, Scottish Volleyball RDO West. Um, we're also at Scottish Volleyball on uh, the website scottishvolleyball.org which is the, the website and you'll find everything you need to know about the staff, the sport, indoor beach. Um, we also on the usual Instagram, at Scottish VB and stuff like that. So you, you know, we're we're there. Uh, we're on Twitter, Scottish VB as well. So um, pretty pretty fluent in my my social media. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to put things out there, and like I say, if anybody's got any questions about anything, you know, we're more than happy to 
feel them and yeah, um, definitely. We'll, we'll link that all up when we put it out. Yeah, there. yeah, listen. But thanks again, Andy. It's been really brilliant. Thirty-five minutes of just yeah. Learning. No, listen, I've uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, obviously, you and I go back a wee bit, and uh, I was really delighted when you said you wanted to come and have a chat. So, thanks very much, mate. It's brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Any feedback, tweet us at The Curve Mindset or email us at thecurvemindset at gmail.com. Thanks.